Državljan D. Podcast za aktivne državljane. Welcome everybody. It's the 20th of August 2021, but you're listening to this podcast on the 15th of October 2021. Uh, with us today is uh, Finn Mirstad, uh, who leads the development of better ethical digital policies and standards at the Norwegian Consumer Council. He's focusing on highlighting the issues of privacy, user data and security, and is currently engaged in a campaign against online surveillance advertising. So welcome, Finn. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, uh, let's let's start with with your recent campaign revolving the the surveillance ad industry. So we've had a lot of discussions with different people from different areas on on our podcast uh, related to the digital advertising uh, industry. So we've uh, highlighted the issues of hate funding. We've highlighted the issue of uh, ineffectiveness of the of the digital ad industry now you're you're adding the the surveillance problem to it so can you explain uh, briefly what the campaign is about and what's what's the issue you're trying to address yeah thank you so much and thanks for inviting me again no i think um so we've done lots of work on in this field and last year we did a massive research into how data is collected uh, about us from different apps and different websites it was a report called out of control and obviously we didn't actually for people in this field we didn't necessarily discover anything new uh, but what we did was we we tracked the data from 10 different popular apps we then saw where the data ended up what companies received the data what kind of data did they receive uh, and what legal grounds did the, then the third parties that received the data have to process the data onwards? Mm-hmm. Um, and what were their business models? And how could they reuse the data that they received? And what we found was um, that extraordinary amounts of very, very sensitive data. This could be anything from uh, your dating uh, data, your sexual orientation, uh, your exact location over a long period of time all kinds of data that can reveal very, very personal information about you. We saw that this data was being shared with many third parties. Just in the research we did uh, from 10 apps, we saw data being shared with at least 135 different third parties. Mm. And when we read the privacy policies and the terms and conditions of these third parties, we saw that many of them reserved the right to share the data onwards. So your data could potentially in real time be shared with thousands of company every day mm. um, and all of this is done just to service ads and what mm. these companies do is that they create uh, what we call digital twins digital profiles which are used to score you and me into uh, uh, whether we are attractive consumers or not um, they can try to deduct whether we're interested in certain things uh, they might give us a bad rating if they think we're not very attractive for certain types of um, products. Um, and all of this leaves us very vulnerable to all kinds of, of bad things such as discrimination or manipulation, etc. Mm. Uh, so that, that's why we realized, okay, we need to do something. Um, and uh, we also saw that the, the GDPR is a very slow-moving machine, right? The data protection mm-hmm. framework we have in Europe. Uh, enforcement is very slow. Uh, the business models are extraordinarily data intensive. They're just uh, increasing their grip over us when it comes to collecting data. So we wanted to do something with the equation, something with the power structure. And we have the GDPR, which is, uh, in theory, a very good framework. 
Um, but let's do something with the, the pull factors. Why is all this data being collected? It is mm. primarily to serve as ads. Mm. Um, but the negative consequences, I mean, it could also be related to security, it could be related to all kinds of things, are so huge. The risks mm. are so huge that maybe we need to do something about the pull factors. Mm. Um, and we've looked to the environment field where in the 70s we had problems with, um, with acid rain. And mm -hmm. you, you created strict rules for emissions and you got rid or you reduced the problem of acid rain. In the, in the 80s, we had um, experience with, um, uh, I, th I think it's KFK gases, um, sort of a, a gases used to, to cooling food in fridges. And it was really bad for the ozone layer. Mm. And the industry was saying, no, 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 we cannot ban this substance. It's going to, we're not going to be able to uh, maintain our food supply and uh, mm. everything will go bad. But mm. lo and behold, a ban was put in place. Uh, the ozone layer, um, at least the damages to the ozone layer, was massively decreased. Um, and there was other alternatives were made to keeping our food cold. <laughs> mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we're thinking we need to do the same here. So all this data has been collected to service ad. Just let's ban the types of ads that are so data intensive because mm -hmm. the negative consequences are so big. So that was our, our idea. And why, that's why we made this proposal um, earlier this year and we got um i think in the end over 60 organizations in europe and the us to join us in a call to ban mm -hmm. surveillance advertisement so that was a bit of a long story to your question sorry uh, no, no no it's 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 interesting to you've opened up a, a few questions that that i'll follow up with so so first question is you you've mentioned the business model every time we have these discussions around you know digital tech and and uh, and digital environment you have two train of thoughts, right? One is that, oh, you know, privacy violations are an unfortunate consequence of a, of a, uh, you know, uh, of a, of a neutral, uh, objective business model that is trying to do good. And you have another train of thought that says, you know, no, privacy violation is a business model on its own. You know, you start off by saying, you know, we're going to violate privacy by gathering all these types of data, uh, as you mentioned, and we'll talk about it uh, uh, later on. So what would you say, you know, looking at these practices, do you think that, that privacy violations are, uh, you know, something that that is um, that is incorporated in these business model models from the get go? I would say yes to the to the majority of the the business models that, or let's say the dominating business model at the moment is definitely based on privacy violation. Whether that is the business model of Facebook, or Google, or the thousands of these companies that are in this ecosystem, because it's not only Facebook and Google. There are also thousands of companies that are working as intermediaries, that are working as data brokers, that are working uh, in this system to pro to collect this data and to, to disseminate this data and analyze this data. And mm. I, I think so much research is now showing that um, people don't want this kind of intrusive um, uh, data collection just to have ads served to them. When mm. they realize the amount of data that is collected and the potential consequences that it can have for your life, let's say you're not being shown ads for a job because the data says you're, you are, uh, having a risky lifestyle, for example, that can have huge consequences for you. Or whether mm. a credit score uh, that is made based on big data collected um, from all these different apps are telling the banks that you're a risky consumer. Whether you're a risky consumer or not, you have no way of knowing. You will not get that mortgage, which again can have 
a massive imp- impact on your personal life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think uh, the business model today is to collect as much data as possible. And we need to change that equation because I, there are alternatives out there also when it comes to advertisement. And we know there are companies that would like to compete with Facebook and Google to have more, uh, how to say, privacy-friendly business models, but mm. they are not able to compete because mm. you're competing with people who are systematically breaking the law. Mm. Before we touch upon, uh, you know, these alternative practices, just one more question. You've you've mentioned several examples where the data is, uh, you know, uh, preventing somebody from from getting somebody something, or where the data is is the basis of 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 uh, let's call it a systemic racism. But what about the effectiveness or the true uh, truth of of these, you know, data analysis? Is there any collateral damage, or are these data analyses, you know, true and and legitimate ways of you know separating or dividing people into into different categories? Is there a is, is there a danger of of collateral damage where the the profiles are just not true? Oh yeah, definitely. I think that's a very good question, and I think that's sort of the the problem here as well. Is I think that. These data models are very opaque, which means, we, you know, we don't know these companies have these models even. We don't know how they work. Even if you ask Facebook or Google, why am I seeing this ad? You get a meaningless response back. Um, so you just even try to contact one of these companies just to access your profile. I mean, your digital twin and my digital twin is probably <laughs> with a thousand companies right now. So we have mm. no way of checking these digital profiles if they're even true. And a lot of research has shown that, you know, they uh, have, they have have faulty assumptions, the data is often bad. Um, there's a lot of prejudice built into, into the algorithms. You mentioned uh, racism. There's mm-hmm. a lot of, uh, uh, of proxies for race in these algorithms, resulting in, let's say, minorities not seeing, for example, job ads or not seeing housing ads for certain districts. So you're building also discrimination into these systems very easily because they're so opaque, because you put, uh, excuse my wording, shit in, shit out. I mean, mm-hmm. random uh, amounts of data uh, that are not actually saying anything about who you are. And also, um, even if they they were very correct, it is wouldn't be fair that all these decisions are being made about you uh, without you having any information about it, because that is the problem today. Uh, mm-hmm. If you don't see an ad for, let's say, health insurance, you don't know you're being discriminated and mm-hmm. not getting offers about health insurance. It's really mm-hmm. hard for you to exercise uh, your rights. So I think on the one hand, these models can be very accurate, and that's a problem in itself. And mm-hmm. then it can be also very inaccurate and mm-hmm. really bad. And that's also a problem in itself. So <laughs> you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. And I think yeah. that is one of the reasons why we just, we're just fed up with this system, because mm. uh, some um, companies are arguing, let's just get more data and make the models more accurate. But then you will still have the problems of of uh, biased algorithms, opacity of the, uh, of the algorithms and the lack of uh, meaningful ways of complaining. Um, and then if you don't collect, and yeah, so you see where I'm going. And we think that the whole system is just rotten to the core, the way it's working, mm. and they just want more and more data. So mm. we say, uh, let's just throw this system away and maybe we'll deal with some of them, the problems that we have identified. Mm. Uh, moving moving forward or moving back, uh, you've made uh, quite a wave in uh, in early 2021 where you successfully, you know, uh, successfully complained to to the Norway Data Protection Authority about Grindr. Uh, 
Um, so can you can you comment on on this case in regards to what you you've said before about you know GDPR being slow or or too slow a tool to uh, to help out uh, in the fight against you know surveillance uh, surveillance industry? Yeah, so that's a good question. So yeah, so the we filed a legal complaint against Grinder based on the report I mentioned in the introduction, out of control. So that we did last year, so January two thousand and twenty. And then January 2021, so this year, we received a notification from the Data Protection Authority in Norway that they more basically it just agreed with our complaint and they they notified Grinder that they would find them uh, around 10 million euros uh, on the on the basis on, of the complaint we did. So that's about 10% of the global turnover, I think, mm -hmm. or 20%. I don't remember the exact, but it's a huge part of the turnover of. Grinder, so that sends a huge signal that this is not okay. The, mm -hmm. the challenge, of course, with the GDPR and a similar complaints that's being made against what we call the ad tech industry, is that they, of course, they are appealed over and over again. So, and that's been a tactic also of Facebook and Google for so long that you can file a complaint and then only seven, eight years later you get a binding verdict. And, and by that time, the systems, the habits, the business models have developed and maybe the issue you file a complaint again is no longer so relevant. Mm. Um, and this is why we want to apply what we call the precautionary principle, which is a, a principle that in the consumer world has been used to, to protect people uh, from, let's say, hazardous chemicals. So we say, okay, this chemical is pretty damaging to put in food. We don't know all the consequences, but we don't have 20 years to figure out whether it will cause deform deformation in babies or not. So we mm. just ban it to be precautionary. And we the same we have in, in um, other areas. And we want to use the precautionary principle here because we already think we are seeing such damages to society and individuals, whether that is um, these the data, of course, uh, fueling algorithms mm -hmm. uh, to, to discriminate people or to manipulate people based on their weaknesses uh, or where security breaches leads to horrible um, consequences for individuals, um, et cetera, et cetera. So we already seen uh, some devastating effects and we don't want to wait another five to 10 years to see whether these things are actually legal. I would mm -hmm. argue, of course, that a lot of what we're seeing is illegal under current law. It mm -hmm. would be illegal under GDPR because the data is collected without consent. It's collected. It's in breach of uh, data minimization purpose uh, principles. It's in breach of uh, purpose limitation principles. It's probably also in breach of what we call the e-privacy directive. Mm -hmm. um, so if the law had been properly enforced, a lot of the problems that we're addressing here uh, would go away. But we mm -hmm. still think there's a room for a ban just to get to end this because there are also some problems that you could imagine that the data is collected legitimately, but still have all these negative consequences mm. because the, the data profiles are so detailed that we're still left with problems of uh, discrimination and manipulation, et cetera. Mm. And we just don't think it's right. Yeah. So, so, so here's my follow-up uh, regarding the, the regulative models of, of these practices. So there, there's been an uptick in, in, on both sides of the Atlantic Ocean in the US and the, in the EU and also in you know, of all the places, China, where the governments or the, you know, uh, democratically uh, elected bodies are trying to regulate this field, saying that, you know, the self-regulation has been going long enough to, to be rated as, you know, completely to somewhat ineffective. Uh, so what, what would, 
what would your comment be on the, you know, on on the discussion being made around these topics, where you know more and more people and more and more organizations are saying, you know, regulate this now, ban these technologies, and and we'll we'll figure it uh, we'll figure it out later on. You know, uh, there's been an there's been an issue for quite some time where the industry was very willing to engage in a in a discussion with you know the regulator the governments the the eu bodies and at the same time none of these practices changed uh, meaningfully or changed in a way that it would have a positive impact on on privacy on data collection on other aspects yeah no i think that's a very good question i i think of course this 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 is um and the answer here is probably you know nuanced. Uh, it is nuanced. It depends a little bit on what area you see. I, I, I do believe that self-regulation can work in certain cases. Uh, let's say in areas where there's a lot of competition, mm -hmm. and where consumers are very uh, are informed, mm -hmm. um, and where it's easy to make a choice and move and move with your feet. And that that could be in areas such as food safety. Let's say palm oil. Okay, you can have a campaign. Uh, public campaign saying don't buy products with palm oil in them and mm -hmm. actually consumers will react to that they will go to the store they won't buy the product with palm oil and effectively uh, you have uh, you know the market is self-regulating you could even imagine that there are uh, the companies themselves agree that okay we're going to ban palm oil and mm -hmm. we have solved the problem without regulation but i think in the in the in the digital field that is more difficult because of the nature of the internet and also because of uh, how network effects seem to favor uh, big, big companies. Mm -hmm. um, and I think with my experience, having worked now close to nine years in the digital field, uh, we haven't seen real willingness from Facebook and Google to regulate themselves. The only, uh, and when um, uh, we have let them try to regulate themselves, the results have been very, very bad. And I, I think they've been closing their eyes for all these potential negative consequences. I have personal experience speaking to these companies um, and there's not necessarily a lack of will from the people you speak to when you meet them, but obviously the higher ups in the in the system uh, see that they have a dominant role. So why should they change anything when they're making so much money? And I mm -hmm. think that, um, that when they have no real competitors, um, I think it goes without saying that they are abusing their power. Um, and we've also had reports. Uh, we did a, a massive study on a massive a study on Facebook and Google and Microsoft a few years ago, where we looked on of their use on dark patterns mm -hmm. because they had been uh, talking for years how they were given giving consumers choice, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, you have a privacy panel. You can turn everything off. We're very privacy oriented. We're putting the consumer in in the center of, of their privacy. Mm -hmm. uh, what they failed to say was that they designed these. Uh, controls in such a way that you as a consumer would end up basically turning everything off or mm -hmm. be so confused when you tried to use your controls that you wouldn't understand how to do it. Mm -hmm. And also the choices they gave you were not real choices. I mean, on Facebook, you can uh, turn off certain uh, things, but you cannot turn off uh, the off-site tracking of Facebook mm -hmm. in any way. I mean, they will still track you on all kinds of websites and, and apps. Uh, yeah. That that was my my uh, my final uh, question or my final topic to discuss with you. Like this, uh, I call it the myth of of an informed consumer, right? Even even the GDPR and you know before that the Cookie Directive and and other uh, legal frameworks 
are still too afraid to to put any let's say meaningful uh, political power behind these uh, these um, regulatory models and they still say you know oh you should you should make the user the primary decider of all things and uh, we we depict or they depict this user as an all seeing all powerful all intellectual literal god who has you know the time the effort and the energy to um, to to deal with these you know decisions in in almost in real time and as you've already mentioned your your um, your uh, research in in the dark patterns and we'll put all the links in the in the notes of this podcast episode so the people can read it out you know you we're seeing over and over again that you know the informed user is basically at this point, an, an industrial myth, right? That that puts all the pressure or all the blame on the on the user and on the famous click the of the button. You know, I agree. So, do you see any changes in in the school of thought moving forward, where the user, you know, has to be or should be supplemented by you know organizations, by by uh, by uh, expert groups, by by people who who focus on the particulars of of an individual problem to help you know really make the the decision stick or the 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 efforts of the user uh, have any real impact. Yeah, no, no, I completely agree with your assessment, and I just draw some parallels to other industries that you know we've been working with for for decades, right? In uh, I mean, there's a reason why we have mandatory seat belts in cars. But if you look back to the 1950s, that was the industry was saying that that should be a choice. That should mm-hmm. be a choice of people. We should not have seat belts in cars. But obviously, the cost, human cost for for not having seat belts was massive. The cost for society was massive. Mm-hmm. The, the tobacco industry, the same way. It should be a free choice whether people smoke or not. But then you know you restrict that choice by having taxes. Uh, by making packages more difficult, so you restrict the choice of of of, of people. Uh, and I think in the in the digital world, like you described, uh, it's so complicated uh, to understand it. Even you know, you and me, I'm sure, uh, have problems understanding how everything works. And regardless, if you want to be on a digital, want to be in the society today, you have to to be on lots of these platforms. Uh, maybe you don't necessarily on Facebook, but you still have to be digital. And it's impossible to hide your tracks uh, in a way mm-hmm. that is meaningful uh, or that at least makes it. Um, so yeah, so I completely agree. We need to have, uh, you know, we need to have both uh, stronger enforcement in place. We need to have more research in the area. I think we need more regulation. To mm-hmm. make it uh, safe for internet, so that the choices that you do make are actually meaningful. Because as you said today, the choices aren't meaningful. You can mm. you can turn off location tracking, but Facebook will still collect your IP address. They will still collect your Wi-Fi connection. They will still connect your collect your Bluetooth uh, connections and triangulate your uh, whereabouts without even collecting your GPS. So. Mm. You know, it's really difficult to have a meaningful choice today. So we're really combating that notion that you can have a, a mean, uh, an informed consumer at this stage uh, in this market because mm-hmm. uh, it's really impossible. And, and just just one more final question before we before we sign off. So there's a there's a um, there's a current debate going on uh, in in several parts of of the world. It's really 
where you have these regulatory models and at the same time you have the industry on, on many issues, not just surveillance set, but also facial recognition and, and other uh, other aspects where you have the industry saying you, know, you can't you can ban or you can't regulate any of this because that will put us in a in a uh, in a disadvantaged position uh, regarding you know other industries of the world like like China and and other places. Do you think uh, the the privacy and and more let's say privacy orientated uh, business model can be let's say a selling point for for the EU or for the Western world if we you know put a very very broad uh, border between you know China and and the US and and the EU? Yeah, I think if I understand you correctly, I, I think that the answer is is yes. I mean, hmm. the, uh, Euro Europe is still a huge market. Uh, and I think by having strict privacy standards, companies will adapt eventually, especially if, you know, enforcement is good and the rules are, are, are good. I mean, you can, again, compare it to other industries. And, you know, uh, the car industry is one area, even though, you know, it had a huge emission scandal a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Still, the EU set stricter and stricter emission standards for cars, for factories and many other things. And that did result in in better cars and less emissions around the world because the companies had to adapt because the EU market was so big. Mm. Um, so, and I, I, I think uh, definitely, and I, I think we see it's still early to say whether the GDPR is working, uh, but I see signs that more privacy oriented companies are coming to the playground. And I see with, you know, like the Schrems decision, mm -hmm. um, you know, with data transfer to the U.S. being so, sort of in, in question, at least, are making, uh, I see that in the public sector, at least in my country, Norway, is becoming much more aware of privacy implications. And suddenly, uh, organizations are talking about, maybe we shouldn't have Google Analytics on our website. Maybe mm. we shouldn't have analytics, or at least let's choose one of the more privacy-friendly ones. Mm. So I think that we will see uh, more competition on privacy. But obviously, that can only also happen if you actually enforce the law. And we're hearing from many, many companies that they think it's really hard, obviously, to compete with Facebook, Google, Amazon, others, as long as they are allowed to continue their extraordinary collection of, of data as they're doing. So, you know, you and me and all the people listening, you know, we need to keep enforcing our rights. We need to keep informing people. Uh, we need to file legal complaints. We need to talk to the politicians and we need to keep the pressure up because uh, I think this is really important for our future that um, a few companies don't control our lives and that mm. uh, we actually have some uh, meaningful uh, agency and freedom to make choices our, uh, on our own. Mm. And and just final, final, final comment question on, on, the, on the state of the EU, like uh, on the last or in the last um, EU elections, uh, I didn't have the feeling that you know digital rights and and digital environment uh, debates were were focusing on the issues that were even then more than apparent, right? So so yeah. politicians are still perceiving uh, the the digital industry as a question of as it is like the industry, right? So a part of of economy or economical movement and there's not much much talk about you know the human rights issues the surveillance issue the privacy issue do you think that will change in 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 the next uh, in the next eu election coming up and maybe what can we do to you know make that happen or to to uh, focus to to put a to put a larger focus on 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 it 
Well, it's a super duper question. Um, I, I'm, I don't know if I have the, the answer. I do think that we should, I mean, we should cooperate across borders. I think that, um, you know, we need to raise the issues. They are often very similar in different countries. So I think, you know, we need to cooperate. We tried to do that with our banned surveillance advertising campaign that we had before the summer. Uh, in the end, we gathered, I think, 60 organizations in Europe and in the U.S., uh, we sent letters to decision makers in the EU. We sent letters to and many groups sent, uh, you know, letters to to politicians in their own country. That is still possible to do. We need to show that we care about this. You know, we need to make it uncomfortable for them not to talk about this. Mm. Um, and we need to also uh, try to reveal the harm that it, these technologies can have. And and I'm not saying that technologies are only bad. I mean, you know, Corona has shown us how important technology is uh, for people, you know, to stay in touch with each other, to mm. educate themselves, to work even, you know, I'm sitting in the bedroom of my home right mm. now talking to you. <laughs> so, you know, we're not going to go back to the Stone Age, but, you know, mm. uh, we have to have car seat, uh, car uh, seatbelts in our cars. We need to have environmental protection and we need to have the same in the digital world so that we can stay safe. I mean, otherwise, you know, our societies will be undermined by, by manipulation and distrust. Um, and, you know, they have chilling effects on our, our lives and our freedom of thought. So this is really, really important. And um, I think we who are here on this podcast and listening to it, we have a role to play in, in raising these issues. Um, mm. And hopefully it can be more of a more on the agenda. But we need to do research. We need to expose things and we need to, to speak out with our voice. Mm. Thanks so much for, for joining us, Finn. Uh, you've been listening to, to the Citizen D podcast. Um, throughout the October, we'll, we'll have three events discussing this issue, the, these issues in, in length. Finn will be a, a guest uh, of one of, the, one of the events. Thanks so much. Uh, keep up the good fight and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for having me.